welcome to another episode of the Route 77 podcast. In today's episode, we're going to tackle the idea of God's calling, not just on the big life-changing moments, but in the everyday relationships and interactions we have. How does this affect us in our workplaces, neighborhoods, and friendships? How can we manifest God's love through our actions and attitudes? As always, we'll be drawing on the life of Jesus as our guide. So whether you're commuting, working out, or just chilling at home, get ready to deep dive into another thought-provoking discussion. Welcome to the Route 77 Podcast. My name is Natasha. I am your host. I am here with Monique. Hello. And David. Hello. I am back from Ontario, so we had our podcast last week. I was in Ontario. Monique was here. Today, we can discuss personal growth and self-discovery. It sounds very posh. Doesn't that just? It's a perfect way of saying finding yourself and growing. Yep. So it's nice to say that we we can enjoy, we can, we can celebrate being single and it's a good thing and there's lots of positive things, but we can't just sit there and be like, ah, nothing matters. I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And there's no requirements of me, but there's a unique time we can work in God's kingdom when you're single. And it's not just to go sit on the couch. No, as much as it's fun to do. And this doesn't mean you have to give up everything that you're doing, like for your job or your hobbies and all these things and just become like a monk or a missionary or something. I mean, you could do if you really want to. But it means that you need to be purposeful in how you're spending your singleness. And there's a time for your your main work and there's a time for your hobbies and enjoyment. But there is also a call to work in God's kingdom. Yeah. And also, I think, too, it's a matter of knowing who you are and your likes and dislikes, what you will and will not accept as part of your life, you know, where your boundaries are. And it's also important a lot of people, when you leave home, or if we grew up in the church, then we need to, like, we're moving away from maybe our parents' faith in church and discovering our own faith in our own church. Perhaps it'll be different, perhaps it won't, but it's no longer, you're no longer under their umbrella. For me, I didn't even grow up in the church. So for me to find the church was like, I totally moved away from home, moved away from totally different province. So I can't even say that because my parents didn't, I mean, they grew up in churches and stuff, but when they got married and decided to have a family, their thought was to let us kids do what we wanted to do. If we wanted to go to church or not, if we wanted to have faith or not. How about you, David? Have things been different since you left home, left the nest? Yeah. I found it a lot harder to engage in communities and churches than I initially thought out. But then again, by the time I left home, around the end of high school and probably through maybe a year of Bible college, I was pretty strong. And then after I went started to go to university, took a dip because I never had friends or family that lived close enough to take me to a church. So I stopped going until I found Monique and attached. And then you know, I, like, David, are you coming to church? Tied me up and dragged me back to church. This is one of the important things about connecting and running accountability, right? 
Yes. It was the same for me. Like I was with Max for 10 years and I, in those 10 years, I probably worked a lot of Sundays just because an, as an agriculture with the horses and with the cows. And so it's just part of the job was working Sundays. So it was really difficult for me to like really find the like desire to go regularly to church, uh, even though I knew it was important because like my ex was always going to hyper charismatic ones and I had a really hard time with that. So whenever I separated, God changed my scheduling around for a couple of years where I actually had Sundays off. And then when Monique and I moved in the same house, it helps me to create like that accountability where even though she's not like shaking your finger at me about going to church, it just creates that like when you have a person that goes with you, it's just a little more like there's more, it's easier to go create a habit. And so when my schedule has changed back to rotating again, I still feel like I'm grounded, even though I can't go as often. But when I can, I go. So that's just a very important part of being single is to find that community accountability. But the accountability also helps like just give you support and stuff. So I just liked going. I'm probably one of those. You hear people go, church, oh, it's so boring. I love going to church. <laughs> I don't think I ever, I felt like I hated it or thought it was like boring. But whenever like you grow up where you're just going every single week and it was almost like, unless you were dying, you went. <laughs> and you, it's like through the, like the the American postal service through rain or snow or sleet or hail. Nothing yeah. will stop the delivery of the mail. It's yeah. essentially the same except that's going to church. <laughs> so it was just like a, just a go, 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 which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it, it was hard to create that when I left home because there was this freedom to not go. And now I'm, I still feel guilty some days when I don't go, but I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you're just sick. Yes. <laughs> and that's okay. There, and this is why we have live stream. <laughs> exactly. There's a weird motivation when you choose to do something yourself than when you're dragged to. Yes. So as a kid, that's probably why a lot of people, it's a big impact. At least it was a big impact for my brother and I. Once we left, we didn't really want to go to church because we were always like dragged to church when we were kids. However, when we developed our own interests around the sermons and and what church actually offered and we decided to go on our own, it was a lot, it was much more bearable, I suppose. And I think part of that too is like, Parents need to, yes, train your children, bring them where you think they should. That was the best teaching. That's why you're going there. But when they get to 18 and up, and if they decide, you know what, I'd really like to go to a different church, then don't discourage it. No. Because you can't control. Unless it's a cult. Yes, unless it's a cult. But I'm just saying, even if it's one you don't necessarily agree with, say you're from me, very conservative reform, and somebody wants to go to a Pentecostal church for some reason. So say, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying comparatively. Yes. Lots of differences because they dance and hop around it's and wave their hands. For me, but anyway, I'm not saying there's anything like wrong with a person who goes to Pentecostal church. All I'm saying is the differences. So right. say that was the difference. You can't control them and force them to go somewhere, even if you think it's the best for them, because at that point they are be like becoming adults and they have to choose their own way. And if they're completely forced, like I know someone and she would like to try a different church because the church that her parents go to. Is this like a lot of older people and there's not really any use there? And she's 19 and it's, she's just, but her parents are like, nope, you have to come there. So she's being basically told, no, you have to go here in a place that she doesn't feel that she really belongs. There's not a community for her. So is that 
I know you're trying to get them to go, but at what point is it at all costs? And then you might actually hurt them in the long run because they can't develop their own face. There's nothing wrong with desiring your kids to want to go to church and as they become adults and as they go to university or leave home. But if you're forcing it at that age where they're where they should be able to decide for themselves, then like it's not helping anything. It's not helping anything because they have to be their own person and they have to have their own faith. Like your faith can't save them. So figuring out like this is a part of the self-discovery. What do I believe? What is like when he said like a no-go place or what do I, what would I stand for? So what are your feelings about all these things? And then are they theologically correct? And so are you willing to do the work to create your own faith? Not as in make it up, but as in differentiate it from your parents, that it's actually your own. I feel like it's more where you're placing your faith because there's really only one person we really want to aspire to be like, and that's yeah. Jesus. Yes. So a lot of our character building and stuff is probably should be gunned towards that. And it's a lot harder said, it's a lot harder than you'd think it is because of our, our sinful natures, but we should strive to align our developments and our self-discovery towards that of Christ. Yes. And just saying that's what my church taught or that's what my dad says or that's what my mom says or my pastor says, it only, that only really works. That should only really work when you're a child, when you haven't, you don't have the knowledge yet or the education or the understanding, ability for understanding some of these things. And also should very, a part of the self-discovery process is to understanding why you chose to put your faith in Christ as well. You can't just blindly, I guess, follow Christ because you need to be able to also defend your faith or your choices that you make and why you got to those particular, particular discoveries about yourself. So I think a huge part of it is being able to understand how you got there, why you got there. And who is this for? Yeah. And if you're saying things like my pastor said, or my church said, instead of the Bible says, not necessarily that they're wrong, but you may want to just do some research and find out why they say that. And if you agree with that as an interpretation. Yep. They say to test everything. Don't just take it at face value. Mm. If it can't be backed up with scripture. Yeah. And that's where... Asking questions is a good thing. Yep. And the Christian faith and the Christian and the Bible, people may let you down, but the Bible and God will not. So yeah. don't be afraid to test, yep. test that. So that's one of the reasons I ended up taking apologetics was because I was looking at my life going, I, here I am, I'm separated from my, from my husband. I'm working. I got myself a dog. I am. Pursuing Taekwondo, my black belt, and doing all these things for done here and now, which is fine. But what was I doing for my spiritual side? What growth was I doing in that area? And then I felt that God was calling me to pursue like my master's in apologetics to start developing that side of me. So for me, that was how where my like personal growth is coming in because I need to understand like what I believe. And why I believe it, not just take 
like going, Jesus love me. This song's no, or the Bible tells me that's fine. But like, why do you know this? What? Where does it say in the Bible? Like all these things. Yeah. Have an answer for, you know, why you believe what you believe. When I first became a Christian, my friend had taken me around to various churches and that annoyed me a little bit because I wanted to stay in the church I was at because I liked their teaching, but she was my ride. So I followed her everywhere. And then it was once I found the church I wanted to be at that I stayed there for a very long time. And when I moved to Abbotsford, then I started seeking for myself the kind of church I wanted to be in. And around that time was when the internet started. And I got myself on a reform email chat because they had email chat. Let me tell you how hard it is to chat on email, okay? Because by the time you've typed up your email, you've gotten 10 more. Wait, now I don't know how to answer this anymore. But I was very intrigued by what they were saying about the Reformed theology. I was going to the Evangelical Free Church, which is what I believe Dr. Dobson is a part. I'm not sure. I'm not sure of. It was one of those very famous authors, anyways. And I didn't mind it. I met some really great people. But when I started going to the Christian Reformed Church. I remember walking in the doors and going, Lord, is this where you want me to be? If you want me to be here, let somebody say hello to me before I walk out the door. You do that. Oops, that right? And is that a way of testing? Probably shouldn't do that. But I had put my hand on the door when somebody tapped me on the shoulder. Are you new here? And I'm going, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so I turned around and I met wonderful people realized because I'm Dutch, the whole entire church was probably like 90% Dutch. I found home. I'm bringing the percentage down with my Scottish blood. You know, this the percentage has gone down quite a lot. It's probably now more like 70%. But you know what? The teaching is still really good. Yeah, and I, go. I've been with that church since what, 96 or 97, something like that. Okay. Became a press professing member in 98. And I love that church. I can't imagine going anywhere else. And I've had people try to drag me away to other churches only to stick with this church and the churches that they were going to fell apart. I don't know. Nope. You got to test the waters sometimes. Exactly. And too, like when you're single, it doesn't mean you have a lot of extra time because like I'm working two jobs and, and doing all these things. But what you have is that you don't have a spouse and a and perhaps some people do have children, but I don't have a spouse or children that need my time. You got just a lot of animals. Yes, a lot of animals. But, but they, I, I have more, like I have the time to do everything, including my master's, like one course per semester and doing this ministry because I don't have a Other husband or children. So I, I say to people, like, I couldn't live my life like this if I were married because no. it was not, it would not be fair to my husband. No. That's where they say, like, it's, you have this unique responsibility as a single person where, yeah, you're, you might be super busy, but you also don't have those other calls on your time. So you can pursue these things. So I think I would recommend, like, people just seeing what they could do to just advance their faith in some fashion. Even if it's taking time to read a book or you can take a, a free online course or something, you don't have to go spend money to do it. There's lots of resources. There's a ton of them. And just take time to build, to grow your own faith. Yep. 
I read yesterday on social media where this one Christian wife and mother had stated that the highest dream of a woman is to be a wife and mother. And I had to go, no, it's not. I've been down that road. What does that mean for anybody who's not those things? Yeah. Like, yeah. What if you have that great, fab, this is my highest dream, but it never becomes realized. I I would mention the story of the, I can't can't remember exactly what happened, but I believe a guy came up to Jesus and asked if my brother died, I marry his wife and so forth. And it went down like a line. Yeah. And Jesus mentioned that in heaven, you're not going to have wives and any of that. Because- well, I mentioned that, that I had to kindly disagree because that isn't a dream for every person. And how can you generalize saying that it's every woman's perfect dream? Because yeah. for some women, it's not. And or it doesn't happen. Or it doesn't happen. Or even if you get married, what if children don't happen? Yeah. Right. And That's like that question that, that they, they ask about. Like the Pharisees asked about the blind man who sinned his, him or his parents. Yep. If you don't have kids, then it's who sinned. Then if this is your highest calling, you obviously didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it can be, it can become a disappointment for those people who, who think that's the best dream they can have and have that dream become a disappointment. There are other dreams for women. There are other dreams for men other than being somebody's spouse and somebody's parent, especially if that's not something that you feel called or led to have in your life. As a Christian, I think our highest and best dream is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, yeah. and to love others as ourselves. And, that's, and, it, come, and it shows itself in different ways in different yep. lives. Yeah. Yep. Living your life for God as a single person can be extremely rewarding. He says, let's try this. Why don't, we, why don't we try this time? We're going to try something else. During my single life, God has led me down so many different paths. And I was just like, that was really funny and exciting. Let's try something else. I was a church librarian for, oh, I don't know how many years. And then God says, okay, now I'm going to lead you into something else. So now I'm working in the production part of the worship service at church, which has been pretty cool and definitely challenging. And now I'm doing this podcast as a single person over the years. Like God is, is let's try this. How about we try this? I'm going to, how about you try this? How about this? And it's been so much, it's been so exciting to try all these different things that God has led me to be. I don't have to have one dream. No. And not even married people do, but there needs to be more stability with that type yep. of a life. Yeah. And you have to work together and make sure you're both on board. Yep. Yeah. You always have to be mindful of each other's. And you can't, as a married person, you can't spend all your time out there doing things for God because you've got a family to take care of. There's so many like famous pastors who basically are like, they talk about how they're like great pastors, but lousy fathers. Yeah. Because they couldn't give to both. Yeah. 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 And it's a lot of times it's the children who suffer. They've got that PK pastor's kid and a lot of the rebel and stuff because their father or their mother is just not there for them during their that those formative years because they're so busy doing the things for the church. What about you, David? Any thoughts on this area? Yeah, I feel like that I feel like a pastor is a job would be more beneficial if they were single. And then a father's job is like being a pastor but specifically for your family. Kind of thing. So the idea behind what I feel like it it resembles is if someone who 
is willing to engage and bring up generations so that the word of God can be spread and then the good news of Christ can be spread through their offspring, through their children. Maybe those children will grow up and decide to be singles, be pastors. But the preservation of one's faith is always far more important, especially when it comes to children. I think it's good if the pastor is single, but I think it's not a bad thing if the pastor is married. Yeah. As long I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, Monique, that the pastor is. It's just the, the life of a pastor as being single would allow them to focus more on that of their community and their church. And then a life of, if they're a father, then, then their direction or their focus, their family. It's very hard to juggle two things and get a proper balance out of those two things. I think right? that's what Peter, Paul was saying in First no. Corinthians 7. Now, I think too, though, that a lot of churches lay a lot of responsibility on our pastors when they have so many church members who can pick up yeah, the baton and carry it for in some respects too. Yes, and I think we did a horrible, I think, not a horrible job, but I think what church communities got wrong is they ended up growing too large. Yes. We get the idea of these mega churches and we get the idea of these large churches where there's three to four pastors or five or six pastors. And these six pastors now have the burden of spreading the word to, to thousands, just to, to the, to that community church. And I think that's where, and I think that's where churches drifted off. Because they used to be small, they used to be community, like like village or community, like small. I want. I'm gonna say village based. Yeah, I grew up right? in a church. Yeah. We have even right now, my parents meet in a church like that. It's maybe twenty to thirty people. Yeah. Very so, small. Eight billion people in this world. It's really hard to have a small church. Sometimes we our yeah. church, like our church, isn't that small. But that what the pastors do and what the elders and deacons do. And what the volunteers do, like we all try to play a part so that we're not burdening our pastors and our leadership. You have to be you have to be purposeful in that. And sometimes churches are not. And sometimes pastors think it is their job to do everything. Like they feel that like pressure and the weight of the responsibility and then not admitting that it can some of it can be what do they call delegated? Yes, delegated to other people and that still maintain like a leadership role. No, no. It's very hard. I feel like when you get into that area, it's very hard because you, when you're dealing with people who may be going through a tough time, you want more of that personal connection. Yeah. Yeah. And with large church, you're probably going to end up juggling pastors. If this pastor is available, we're going to give you this pastor or this pastor or this pastor. And I feel like churches are very bad at managing which pastor goes with which group of people. Yeah. If you're in a doctor, you want the same doctor when you're dealing with an issue and not going to the ER and taking whoever's there. (laughs) Because then you have to re-explain everything and try to make a connection and not everybody has the same connection. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't the bash churches. It's just, we're just making this as like the first. Yeah. And an understanding of like where the positives of being single can be. Yep. But needing to be used in a positive way. Right. Not just sitting back and being like, I'm sitting on the couch. I don't have to. Oh, not for nobody. <laughs> yeah, no, this oh, just oh, leads once up in a while, to, it's not a bad thing. This just leads up to pastors having way too much responsibility, and it makes it so that they're giving 60, 70 percent of the time to the church or 40 percent to their family when there should be a 50, 50 split kind of thing. 
just having bigger churches just means that these pastors are going to I'm going to probably put more time in trying to divide their attention or divide their devo- devotion yeah. than actually put in the devotion in especially if they end up becoming like a celebrity pastor and there again there's nothing necessarily wrong with like one who's well known speaks well and gets like recognized in a sense where it, it can lead to pride but so can lots of other things but it just shows like how that type of a, a pastoring will take you like maybe all over the country all over the world or somewhere where that definitely can become an issue with the yep. family so then if you're called to that type of ministry where you're you're going to be called all over the world is that should marriage have the goal of you as a person is it's one thing to be like, yeah, I can get married and my wife will come with me or whatever. Then when you start having children, or if you start having children, then you then things become a little more difficult. And even as it is, it would be difficult to probably make sure you have the connection with your wife or your spouse. But when you add children into it, there's a greater need for a stability and finding a home base where there can be stability when they grow up. And that's where I think Paul does talk about it in First Corinthians when he talks about if people, I wish that all could be as I am, which is single, because you can focus 100% on God. But then, but he's, I'm not saying that marriage is a bad thing, but if people who are married do have this struggle of having to balance. And that's not an easy balance. Like it's a struggle, I think, for everyone, even if they're, if, even if the family is like not, say, a pastor, but they're just working. Like a lot of, there's many times that people can become workaholics where they give their work more than they give their family. So that balance is always going to be a struggle for someone who is married. And again, it doesn't mean it's wrong to be married. It just means that's one thing that you have to be very aware of. And as a single person, being able to devote your time and energy to God can be done with a singular focus. You don't have that split. So yeah, so basically understanding that as a single person like you do have a responsibility god has called you to give him 100 percent focus on his work again it doesn't mean you give up you have to give up your job you gotta pay the bills or you can you have to give up your hobbies or something like that but pack up you're going on a mission trip. yeah it doesn't mean you gotta that was always my fear when i became a christian Please, Lord, don't send me to another country to be a missionary. And the funny thing is now I wish I could go to another country to be a missionary. Hopefully the podcast can maybe reach other countries and then we're doing it from here. Yep. So it's just, you have to be purposeful about scheduling your time and yep. not just like, there is a tendency to go, I'm so busy with work because I mean, I'm working two jobs. So like I'm busy with work, but you have to take time that maybe you'd like to just veg out or play video games or watch TV and actually say, no, I'm applying some of this time. And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be every bit of time. We all need rest and downtime, but it means you need to, you have, you can't just sit on the couch as a, a single person any more than you can as a married person. God's not calling you to be a couch potato Christian. Yeah, and let me tell you what happens when you become a couch potato Christian. You get a bigger butt, <laughs> belly. You get a bigger belly. You tend to snack, and then you don't really move. And then when you all of a sudden decide that, oh, maybe I should start moving a little bit that way because I'm a hard time coming off, especially if you're a woman. I'm very jealous of men in that respect because they can say, yeah, I'm going to go on a diet and I've lost already 10 pounds. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to gain another pen. I've eaten leaves for the past week. How did I gain? <laughs> oh, man. 
I just looked at a cupcake and put, yeah, because it was definitely because the my forties compared to my twenties is definitely one hundred percent turnaround of how I'm spending my single time. My twenties was spent like just okay again on the farm was fine. That's where my like dad needed help and everything. That's fine. But there was no motivation for me outside of that other than finding a spouse. So just like I'm working a lot now, I was working a lot then, I could have taken time to grow, explore, do something with myself towards God's kingdom, but I never did. I just kept thinking I'm supposed to be married and I was just sitting there in a holding pattern and a plane in a holding pattern is not going anywhere. No. It's not really, it's not going to a destination. It's not landed. It's literally going in circles. I did that too in my, uh, in my forties and in my thirties, but I was also struggling with, with a lot of other things that were going on in my life. But once everything cleared up, I had this window of opportunity where I could have done something and it took until it hit my fifties before I went, what have I done? And, and then start to do something with my life. So I wasted so much of my time and you can't get that time back. You know, regret can be a part of it. It doesn't mean God can't redeem parts of our lives and use it for the benefit of his kingdom, but it needed redeeming. Yeah. There's a regret there that I didn't do more with my twenties and be more kingdom focused and worried significantly less about marriage and children and I wish there the whole balance. It was not even a balance. It yeah. was just one hundred percent weight on one side and zero percent weight on the other side. That's there was yeah. no balance to be found there at all. When I first became a Christian in my late twenties, um, I wish somebody would have come alongside of me and say, "Now that you are a single person, let's mentor. Let me teach you. Let me help you to develop yourself and get your focus." off of the desperation of trying to find a husband. And I want to do that for somebody too. And that's what we're called to do, especially women are called, the older women are called to teach and mentor the younger women. It's specifically said that's in the scripture. Yeah. Because, yeah, I can, they, we learn, I'm not maybe an old woman, but I'm older and there's younger women out there and they like they don't need to go through my experience to learn from my experience. No, no. If I could help one person to avoid the path I took, that was very traumatic, and save them from that. That would be. I feel like I would have. I have accomplished something in my life. Really? That something good came out of this. Because no. even if this podcast can reach one person and give them a fire for Christ, then that's no. can, like that would consider no. that as success. Or get their minds like, okay, so maybe I should put this aside and not worry so much about finding somebody, but be more concerned about who I am, yeah. what I want, what I like. And this is what's important too about doing this. It's not just, it shouldn't be just an abstract thing. Yeah, I should know more or grow more it's just some abstract thing set yourself specific tangible goals if you are wanting to grow your faith find a podcast find a book find something in the genre that you enjoy find somebody you really really admire in your church yeah and ask them if they would be a mentor yeah but i would even say if you find a podcast or something get a book 
it depends if you're a reader or not and find a video series like anything that's your sort of way of thinking and like specifically say you know what this month i'm going to listen to x number podcasts or there's different like ligonier ministries has different podcast series mm -hmm. that are really awesome there's other ones out there i'm going to listen through this i'm going to read this book something that makes you like develops you as a person especially in your faith i think a faith one needs to come first i find sometimes it's hard to generate that passion in yourself prayer helps Yes. Ask God, can you give me wisdom, knowledge, the direction. desire, direction to want to know you more, to want to learn more, to, and he will, he will. He's always, he wants nothing more than to want to help you learn more about him. So start with your daily devotions. It took me 40 years to try to get the daily, 42 years to get these daily devotions going, but now we have it. There's and now it feels weird if we don't. Yeah. It's just, we even called each other over my vacation so that we had devotions at night. It was just part of our routine now. And what we're learning by doing that and even the prayers that we see answered and yep. is just, it does so much for your faith. And again, if something happens where you're like, yes, I'm going to read the Bible every day. And then something happens and you miss a day or a few. Like, don't knock yourself and go, ah, oh, it's not worth it. I can't do it anyway. Get back on the horse. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Don't give up. Set yourself that personal goal. Say one chapter a night, six verses a night. I'll memorize one verse a week. Something that you can give your sleep. You can see a tangible progression. Yep. And again, and I wish I'd have thought of this before because I was like, oh, I should have read the Bible tonight. And now it's too late. Now I just don't feel like it. If you get somebody to hold you accountable, even if you do it over Zoom yeah. or Messenger chat or something like that, where you're having that FaceTime and you're each having a switch on reading each night, somebody who will hold you to that until it becomes a habit or until it's just and something it can be, you just like to do. Yeah. And it can be something like for us, it wasn't so much like it was there's an accountability factor, but it wasn't just you were being accountable to me. It was like a two-way thing. We were yep. both struggling with it. So we connected on it and we are yep. like just the fact that we are doing it gives us accountability. So even nights when I'm like, say I have my, my nerve pain and I'm not doing so well, I'm usually okay with if Monique reads and I can be there yep. for it. Like I can get through that. Maybe you can't. Maybe you're like a person like who has migraines and it's going to be throwing up if they even hear a sound or see a light and I've been there. That's okay. Yep. Missing a night. Is not going to it's, be the end of the world. No, that's no. Satan's talking. If you're absolutely, if yeah. you're saying, "Oh, you obviously don't care," and things, it, and it's really funny how we started too, because you were just reading this book, and it says, "I was well, taking the course." Yeah, and one of the and Heather was my mentor from our church, this lady from our church for my leadership course, and I was supposed to come up with three areas I wanted to improve, and this was definitely one of them. And she challenged me yep. in a stern yet loving way, like, <laughs> "Hey." This has to be priority. Yep. God has to get your best, not your, oh, I'll read it three in the morning when I'm half asleep or yes. I'm not a morning person. Six a.m. before where it's not even making sense. But you had started reading first. Yeah, yep. I was reading on my own. Yep. And then you were reading this book, and they're gonna read it to me. So you start reading. And it's like, why don't we just keep going? <laughs> and then it's like, let's read the Bible, and they were like, how about we pray? <laughs> and now we like focused our prayers, and so now we have specific prayers for each yep. night and. It's developed into something that's just like, where was this my whole life? Why didn't I do this before? Yeah, yeah. 
So it, it morphed, but it was all God's leading. I'm pretty oh, yeah. positive. It's almost it. like he knows what he's doing. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> what do you think, David? Sorry, we're just chatting right through here. Yeah, no, I... Do you want to join us? <laughs> I have a problem. When I start, I can't stop. Like, <laughs> when I, if I'm listening to anything like apologetics or reading the Bible, I'll just... And I'm like, okay, I'll just read for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Four hours later, I'm just like, I went through two books. It's like, I can't stop reading. <laughs> you you do audio though, don't you? Yeah, I do both. Oh, you do both. Okay. I have an apologetics Bible that if I'm listening to say a YouTube video on apologetics and he mentions a verse and I'm like, nah, that doesn't seem right. And then I can flip to it. I'm like, oh, that verse actually says that? That's cool. So I flip to it. So I alternate between audio and actual readable books, but yeah. Cool. So in this day and age, there's so many ways. There's really, I don't think there's ever really been an excuse, but there's really no excuse now <laughs> to really challenge yourself on that side yeah. of things. But the thing about personal growth too, it doesn't, it, we want to definitely, I think, start with your faith side because then you can, then God can, you can pray about God leading you and like how you should live your, not your non-faith, but like your living day to day side. So it's definitely full, should be full of your faith, but it's just, what is God calling me to do? Is he calling me to stay in this job? Oh, yes. Okay. It seems to be where he's calling me now. What is he calling me to learn something new or try some new thing or talk to my parents who I haven't talked to in a while? Or is there something that like he's calling you to do? I think it's much deeper than that, though. Instead of God calling you to stay in a job, you have to look at who's around you and say, is God calling me to speak? to this person or is he calling me to stay in this particular position in this neighborhood or place because of someone who needs God. So I think it's a lot deeper than just God calling us to go to church or God calling us to stay in a job. There's a much deeper component to it because God's wisdom is just so intimate with his entire creation that that I feel like it's not specifically at material things but all mo all of the time that i had noticed that when god calling there's always someone there's a person that god is calling me to interact with or calling me to talk to yeah i was like i've got this i got this girl at work that i share a lot with but i've developed a relationship with her so i'm not i'm not preaching at her because i don't think that's an effective way for anybody, really, unless it's something that you go to church, you expect to be preached at. But at work, you don't expect to have somebody preach at you. And they say, if you don't develop that relationship, you're never going to get that opening to be able to share if, it, if that's something. Or if you share something, it's not taken the same way as like a acquaintance versus a friend. And, it, and you might say the exact same thing as an acquaintance as you do as a friend, but it's taken a completely different way. Yeah. When they know that you know them and they know you and they've seen you in action, yeah. your, your and they life you in action. Go- and they know that you're not going to purposely try to hurt them. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Or, so, or how yeah. you believe hasn't changed anything about how you treat them. Yeah. Yeah. They see that you are genuine. Yeah. yeah. yeah because so, that's very so, important. I th- Yeah. I think one of the key components is, is, um, is what kind of Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus spoke, he preached and all that, but. Jesus knew that people wouldn't believe his word alone. Yeah. yeah. So you, it, when it comes to people who are maybe not unbelievers, I think it's very important that for one, they know that you believe and that you have to respect being the preacher 
and the only and the most powerful way you can express God's love to them is through how you treat them and through actions that they witness. I actually quite like the way Jesus treated the people differently. Like how he treated the Pharisees and how he treated the common person was completely different. And the riddles he spoke to the Pharisees was hilarious. <laughs> they're, Jesus, they're constantly confused. That it serves a right. <laughs> or they Jesus, Jesus had an intimate understanding. Yes. Of how these Pharisees grew up, how they were taught. He knows that they, they were taught by people who had alternative motives. So he understood their position far greater than I think. And I then I'll than what we actually can comprehend. So I think a very important aspect of when talking to people like this and for ourselves to grow in is to be able to put ourselves in other people's shoes and understand where they're coming from and then being able to relate to them through our actions. Yeah. And having commonalities as well. Yeah. So basically what we're saying today is look at yourself, look at your life, challenge yourself, Hey, is what I'm doing with my single life, am I following like God's will in this? Am I pursuing the kingdom in, a, in this or am I spending my whole time just wishing I were somewhere else, either married or in a different place or another job or anything where you're wishing you weren't where you are, then you're not really focusing on where you are and where God's calling you and how the kingdom can be Put forward in that time. Yep. What dream are you giving up because you think you should be this married family thing, person when you're not being completely true to your own heart? Because there's nothing wrong with that. If you no. do become a married family person, then that's great. But then that your focus will change at that point. But in this current state of singleness, like you're not that. No. And so to and if you're not even dating, you're really not that. You're really not. So it's, yeah, so it's, we're actually just challenging, challenging the listener to yeah. just do what kind of we did. We took, a, we didn't I specifically self-assess, but there were people that God's put in our lives to prod us on different things and push us and then circumstances. But we started to wake up in our faith. Yes. And per start pursuing, actively pursuing, be purposeful in what we're doing. So being active like our pillar, we're being accountable like our pillar, like thing, we're abiding, we're accepting that we are single in this moment. All of our pillars are just, that's why we yep. stand on these. Yep. Today I am single. What am I, what am, what am I doing with my life that I, as a single person? Marriage, maybe not. It's okay. If that's in the future, then that we can worry about that. In the future. In the future. When, when, it, when it happens. If yeah. or when it happens. Yes. But today, it is not happening. So what am I doing today? Yeah, exactly. What are you, how are you pursuing the kingdom yep. today? Any last words there, David? Just, no. <laughs> I can't think of anything. That's okay. Did we throw around our thoughts enough? I think <laughs> we did. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to contact us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email us at root77ministries at gmail.com. That's R-O-U-T-E 77ministries at gmail.com. If you, yeah, we're willing to hear anything from you, any feedback, please be kind. We're doing yep. our best. Yep. We're new. We're still newbies. We're still Can new. you believe that we only started three months ago? February, February March, April, May, June, four months ago. Four months ago. So yeah, we're doing our best. Yeah. Four months old. 
over 200 listens on our podcast, which is very exciting. Yes, we're enjoying it. Thank yeah. you so much for listening. And catch us here next time. Yep. Bye for now. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Route 77 podcast. We hope this conversation has left you with some food for thought. Remember, being single isn't just about waiting for the next phase of life. It's about engaging fully in the life you have right now and following God's will in every aspect. If you have any questions, thoughts, or stories to share, don't hesitate to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or via email at rootsr7ministries at gmail.com. Until next time, stay blessed, stay curious, and live your single life to its fullest.